Borat Dong Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 64th episode of Space Spinner 2000. Oh, oh no. <laughs> a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for May 1981, progs 210 to 214. This week... We'll return to space with Judge Dredd and the Mega Rackets, join the mutant army on an all-out assault on future Parliament, hang out with the devil, and have an awesome Minotaur Tiger arm wrestling match. Oh, God, it's so over the top. Get it? Oh, no! (laughs) All my jokes destroyed! Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) You had it scouted. No man, that's fine. There's only there's only one arm wrestling thing that people can refer to, you know? <laughs> like it, it it had to be. Oh my god. Well, any, any I'm help. glad that I used it up at the very beginning. Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of going back in time, Fox, Thrill oh. One Strontium Dog. Oh my god. <laughs> so get it because because the T stands for time. <laughs> it totally <Sorry>. does. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it's 2165, and mutants are being led into forced labor camps. In response, the mutant armies from acro- around the UK are massing. General Arms propo- proposes all-out war against the normals. Oh, I should mention. Sorry, Fox. <laughs> Oh, go for it, man. Uh, script robot for Strong Team Dogs, Alan Grant. Art robots, Carlos Escara. Letter robot, Steve Potter. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> the other mutant generals, uh, in response to this proposal, that, that, that include uh, the two-headed Alexander brothers from the Highlands, Studs Boyce from the Midlands, Evans the Fist from Wales, the uh, Clacton Fuzz from south from the southeast, and Midden Face by God McNulty from Scotland. Oh, and also my favorite, the Torso from motherfucking Newcastle. They all vote for war. It's so awesome. So each one of them is so comical. But I love the Torso because there's a dude who just speaks for him who just knows what he's saying. Yeah, for reasons. Just just through a combination of I feel like psychic blasts and uh, hand signs or something. Yeah, man. No doubt. Torso's just a big lump of flesh with an eye on the top. Man, I love him. Uh- <laughs> so awesome. So, basically, everybody votes for war. It's time to plan. Supplies are raided from all over England. While uh, Johnny Alpha is given a special task for when the assault starts, he's going to lead an assassination squad against the the mutations minister, Nelson Creelman, his own father! Bro, it's a full-on wog. Yeah. Oh, man. As they prepare, uh, Creelman sees sees reports about all these activities and starts getting nervous. He tells his goons to prepare the T-weapons. In other words, like, hey, like, crush the boot a little more against the trachea because that'll definitely help. Right. And, you know, an assault's coming, so, like, make sure that our most awesome future weapons are available. (laughs) Of course. So, on Friday the 13th, 2167, <gasps> which from a calendar app I have, I, that's either February, March, or November of 2167. The mutant armies mass around the center of the future British government, the floating Upminster Palace. Which is like 
huge and terrifying and amazing. Yeah. Great job, Ascara. Yeah, it's a giant, just full page shot of this of this huge floating edifice, and our boys are going to take it down. Also, here we get a just sort of some of the names of the different mutant armies. Uh, like the mm. torso leads the uh, Tyne and Weirdies, which I believe is a reference to the county of Tyne and Ware in England. Okay. Like where, where Newcastle is. <laughs> Anyhow, the assault begins awesomely. Just like it starts very like coolly with this survey of pre-dawn up Minster, checking in on like troops, on the king, on parliament, and on Creelman himself. I, th- I think it's really nice. It's really like like well-written and kind of sets the mood for this uh, you know, for this peaceful kind of castle thing, but that's then broken by the mutant army. Fight dirty. Well, it's it's got this whole setup of just like here is what we're about to do, and right as you go into part nine, it's like here's the king who's who's being a total baby and staying in bed. Yeah. Here's the parliament who's who's like dicking around and just talking about dumb mm-hmm. parliament shit <laughs> and then and then here's creelman like torturing uh, a mutant and yeah. next page oh yeah everyone's just shooting the fuck out of this <laughs> yeah the all the mutant armies on jetpacks and they're just strafing around but not without difficulty generals jack and tom alexander are among the few mutants the first mutants to go those poor two-headed highlanders the, but they go out shooting. Oh yeah, the Clacton Fuzz disables the laser grid, and Middenface leads an assault on the barracks. Meanwhile, Evans the Fist grabs the king. He says, "Like you are King Clarky, and I claim my five creds," which is a joke I don't oh. quite get. Yeah. Yeah, that's like one of the many weird things that happens in this series. I'm like, what? I feel like it's a reference to something. I, I, I mean, it, it obviously is, I guess. Um, and then the torso from Bygod Newcastle leads an assault on Parliament. Things are going great until Creelman shows up with those new T-weapons. His goons open fire, and each shot completely destroys the mutant that hit the mutant that hit that's hit by it. What's going on? Yeah, it's super horrific. Like they just. Part of their bodies just vanishes. Yeah, yeah, completely phase out. Yeah, the T weapons yeah. are stopping the assault. One hit seems to vaporize you. To break through their lines, one heroic mutant, the crab-headed crab tree, makes Dude, yeah. a suicide run on the Creelers, blowing them away. The mutants storm in. Oh no, it's the torso from Newcastle. And <laughs> everybody gets all fucked up. And then there's like this two-third shot of just like fire and burning and faces and smacking yeah. and shooting. It's yeah. great. As the assault on Upminster plays out around the country, the mutant army mobilizes, storming out of the laser out of the labor camps, killing creelers, burning and destroying all over the country. The nation's it's rising up as the awesome. mutants draw ever closer to Creelman's office. It's super awesome, yeah. But then like one of the most devastating fucking things happened. I I was Really sad about this. Yeah. Along with, yeah, General Arms, Johnny Alpha's mentor comes under fire and he takes a hit. He dies in Johnny's arms as a duck faced mutant before, slayer looks on. Yeah. But not before saying, like, listen, kid, like, we got him on the run and you need to press the advantage. Like, I know you're Creelman's son. And he's like, how did you, you knew? And he's like, dude, like, of course I knew, but that's not what this is about. Like, you're a fucking mutant. You're one of us. You can goddamn do this. I believe in you. And it's like the daddy never had, man. It's like, so it's awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. Johnny Alpha gets up, dries his tears, hefts his uh, 
hefts his blaster and starts shooting. I'm coming for you, Creel man. It's so cool. Damn, man. And like, damned if he's not fucking super serious about it, because he is going through this stupid thing, just like murdering people with his bros. Mm-hmm. Johnny and his troops blast their way to Creelman. Johnny uses his alpha vision to scout the path, basically. The mutants are taking losses, but they're also gaining some of those new T-weapons, which work on norms as easily as mutants. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. We're going to blast your ass to the path, mm-hmm. bitch. It looks like Creelman is cornered. Stud's voice controls the operations center, so he can't radio for help, and Johnny's getting ever closer, even as his comrades die around them, or around him. Fucking sucks, man, because Blockhead's dope. Yeah, all these dope mutants are dying, dude. It's real sad. In the end, it's a showdown between just Johnny and his father, Nelson Creelman. They recognize each other. They have kind of your standard, like, sort of hero-villain showdown exchange. Like, take the shot. You don't have the guts. Like, I'm going to kill you for all the mutants you've harmed and stuff. But then Creelman triggers a device and teleports away. The very first time grenade. Mm-hmm. Creelman escapes and Johnny's forced to give the bad news. So, uh, yeah, so this is where, like Fox has been alluding to, that this is where we, we learned that this is the introduction of all those time weapons we love so much in Strontium Dog. The guns, you know, they warp the target several minutes into the past and into deep space, while Cre- Creelman has used a time bomb that sort of sends him back like a second and just sort of smashes him into a nearby base just because that's where the Earth has moved to and stuff, which I think is a really neat way to teleport. Mm, yeah, it's big time. Um, I think it's interesting if they if you're teleporting someone into the past, like just or no, I don't know. I'm trying I'm I'm trying to think of, of what's cooler if you're in the past or you're like behind where the Earth is or like <laughs> if actually no if 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 you teleport someone who's standing where they are into the past and that means that they're ahead of the Earth, which means that in fact their bodies would probably smash into the Earth and like burn up on reentry or something like that. So that's even cooler. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like it it's not like the science that makes sense it's just like it just opens up a world. lot of badass complications <laughs> yeah exactly like it i don't know it's fucking awesome so you it's like he arrives at this base and these guys are like whoa it's it's you you're here and they're like what do we do and he immediately is like Did you use know those time weapons, weapons dummy <laughs> Why wouldn't they be using the time weapon? I don't know, but they're cool, yeah. Because also they like war- like you can't like hide from them because they like warp like the uh, like the cover you're hiding behind too and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. So they they're really good. Guy. Yeah, like they they'll take you and the wall you're hiding behind. So yeah, so basically the base that Creelman's warped to manages to fight back against the mutants and kind of get them on the run, even as the mutant generals in Upminster uh, celebrate their victory. As word of Creelman's success gets the gets the, gets to them, the joyous celebration is tempered, and that goddamn duck Bill Higgs reveals the truth that Johnny Alpha is Creelman's son, and he accuses him of letting the evil minister get away. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Next episode, Snackpectations. Uh, which was like a, a swear word they used a lot in in this. They they kept saying like snack something or other. Yeah, that's a good anyway, Good future cussing. 
<laughs> Sharks and Dogs is fucking amazing. So good, man. This assault on Upminster and stuff, just the introduction of all these sweet mutants. Like, you know, even when they die, they all die heroically and stuff. This is just an awesome, like, month of comics, just in terms of, like, the action and the emotion behind that action and just everything. Everything about it's so freaking good. <laughs> if, if this is what taking a break from one of their main storylines mm-hmm. means for like uh, where that progresses and and what the story is going to look like and and how it's going to be drawn because Ascara is doing fucking amazing work right now mm-hmm. um, and you can kind of see where where comics have have drawn inspiration from from this it's it's really beautiful yeah. and eclectic like take more time off i i mean i don't care like <laughs> if 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 this is what you do, I don't need a thing a week. You could just fill that with like weird, awkward future shocks and shit, right? Like <laughs> this was so, so goddamn good. Yeah. Um, and I'll compare it to some stuff that just hasn't stopped and mm-hmm. was good. And I feel like that's that's a lot of the problem that 2000 AD, at least currently, has is that when you don't take a break, mm. um, your your shit kind of gets worse. It's an interesting point, especially for sort of this current era of 2000 AD, where things are really running for really long times. Like, where yeah, you just yeah. have a lot of consistency and stuff like that. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, let's see how it goes with, with Mean Arena when that comes back next month, you know what I mean? Oh. But, um, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> um, you, you know, I mean, yeah, man, this is just really very much sort of a culmination of all the Strontium Dog stuff that we've seen so far, you know? And This is still a flashback. Yeah. This is still him telling Gronk and... and, and yeah, and, t- telling and, Wolf and the Gronk sort of what's, or yeah. what's going on as, as they fly out. Or maybe just Wolf, I forget. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, they really kind of made this to be sort of... I think they've done a really great job of doing what this story is supposed to be, which is sort of be this backbone of 2000 AD for this sort of period of... For this, you know, for these couple months of the comic, you know? It's the Plus, it, it opens it up. It's just incredibly strong and just a ton of fun. There and it's already building in why maybe some of these other mutants don't like him. Mm-hmm. And also, there are some really great shots of Johnny Alpha as a kid just looking fucking dope. And the way that I see it, after I was done with this, is like okay, like you could say very tritely that they're going after kids because of explosions and murder, but this is uh. This is like a "Hey, your dad beat you and and didn't really love you" story. Like yeah. there are kids out there who are going to identify with this during this time and be like, you know, like I wish I could lash out or or like get justice for people who were treated poorly. It's very interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting to think about it. Yeah, in in the context of 2000 AD at this point, which is very much a kids' comic, you know, very much sort of read by like eight to 12 year olds you know and sort of having this sort of younger character this to me feels like a big counterpoint to wolfie smith right where they're both sort of teenaged characters but young johnny alpha is sort of honorable and super duper awesome as opposed to wolfie that was sort of like you know uh opportunist and a dick yeah you know? That douchebag, like a weird, like I'm going to look at girls naked with my x-ray eyes. Yeah, tellingly not what Johnny Alpha does with his x-ray eye, eyes. He uses exactly. it to fight for equality, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and like, all the while, like, you can feel, uh, like, the kind of, I don't know, they, there's a lot of this in, in this run that we just read, where it's, mm-hmm. like, very anti-nuclear, anti-nuclear bomb, anti- sure. 
like aggression pro uh, equality that that like obviously the people at this at this company think about mm-hmm. um but is definitely more than likely on the forefront of a lot of kids reading these comics so sure it was just really interesting yeah. can't like, say yeah impact. can't say enough about this uh, portrait of mutant story man it's so good um it's fucking amazing yeah Hint, hint, I like it a lot. <laughs> hey, but it's, it's funny you were talking about uh, taking time off and doing future shocks and stuff, Fox. Because oh, no. now we go to Thrill 2 Future Shocks. <laughs> Man, let's talk about some planes. There's some. There's a bunch of future shocks this month, and they're all, and they're all like weird and interesting in their own way, I think. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so future shocks it hurts. Yeah, first off is the collector script robot Kelvin Gosnell, art robot Ian Kennedy, lettering robot Peter Knight. It's 1967 Vietnam. Artist Ian Kennedy is doing what he does best, which is drawing awesome pictures of jets dogfighting with each other. <laughs> it's fucking cool. I'll be honest. Yeah, like, it's dope. Uh, uh, it's not Angel. Which is nice, oh, man. That's that's damning with faint praise of anything, like you know. Oh. <laughs> but so, a, a badass Phantom Jet protects a B fifty two on a bombing run until a strange black jet appears out of the sky. The Phantom <laughs> follows it to a landing area where it's revealed that the jet is piloted by Satan. Welcome to Air Base Hell. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> it turns out, <laughs> and then like. The closing statement by yeah. the, the devil pilot is, yeah. and long as your kind continue slaughtering each other, I'll keep topping my score. Yeah, it turns out that uh, yeah, that the Phantom actually died. That that, that that the pilots of the Phantom actually died during that last sortie, and now like all soldiers, they join the devil in hell on his haunted airstrip. And yeah, so now the devil gets another skull painted on the side of his awesome hell jet, <laughs> which like. All right, like fucking weird future shocks being weird. Yeah, well, I mean, why not? You know, this is this is a super Twilight Zoney one where it's like, oh, oh yeah. but then it turns out it's the devil. You know? Oh my god! <laughs> so the next one is Ernesto Hornets must die. Oh my god! S- script robot Gary Rice, art robot Mike White, lettering robot Peter Knight. Knight, sorry, art okay, robot Mike White. So, yeah. So all of these guys, these people are outside, like. Basically saying the pres the global president of the super future, thirtieth century. Yeah, thirtieth century. It's a huge dick, right? Like, yeah. there, there's riots in the streets, and the signs uh, that they're holding are <laughs> "We're glum chum and we are not happy." It's funny. The fuck. Yeah, yeah. It's thirtieth century. Everybody's sort of you know feeling general malaise, I guess. The world government decides to distract the people by using time technology. They get a device called the Time Tracker to look way far in the past, to the dawn of civilization. Oh, right, so so the, a good context thing is that all the people are pissed because society hasn't advanced enough for them. Yeah. And they're like, why the fuck? We hate you because uh, <laughs> society hasn't advanced. We're tired so of society. We're done with civilization. <laughs> but so yeah. they they go back to the ancient times. They discover uh, to the dawn of civilization to, f- to determine who's the guy who built the first wheel. I mean, personally, Which, when I yeah. you know when I played Civilization, I usually went with like pottery or bronze working at the start of Civilization. But to each his own, I yeah. suppose, Fox. Uh, 
Maybe you like chariots, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, clear, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was about to say clearly they like chariot archers. Yeah. Using so they use the tracker to then find the most direct descendant of the wheelmaker, a Which guy named uh, Ernesto Hornets. You, know, you wouldn't have just one guy, man. It'd be everybody's it related to this guy. <laughs> but so he's apparently the most direct descendant. He's responsible for civilization and must die for it. <laughs> so they trap him in a gas prison? Yeah, after he gets yelled at by his uh, 2080 standard head and pecking wife. But yeah, so oh. he's arrested. He's taken to the pu- to be public publicly executed to be beheaded by a headsman with a lightsaber. But uh, right before the headsman's saber can fall, one of the tech boffins runs up, and we learned that Ernesto's ancestor built the wheel, but it came from a design he stole from someone else. So instead we got to execute the wheel idea man. Oh, but it turns out the guy behind the wheel was the direct answer of the current president of the world. Blood, 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 blood. He's swiftly beheaded while claiming to be from a different uh, timeline. And Tharg tells us that after that, everybody was basically chill and not super pissed about being in the 30th century. Just felt better now they'd killed the man responsible for uh, society. So it's cool. Just just saying that Tharg, uh, mighty may he be is a-okay with saying the moral of the story is sometimes you just got a beheaded <laughs> this is a it's, it's always weird when the future shocks end with uh tharg clip art sort of giving the uh the moral and stuff i always wonder yeah like if that means that this is just a story that was general purpose and they just decided to toss it in 2000 ad or if they couldn't figure out how to end it so they just had tharg come in and sort of finish it up i guess well and like the thing is is that it was fairly simple Unlike fucking Long Live the Queen, which is like a million pages. This one's great, yeah. So Long Live the Queen, script robot Kelvin Gosnell, art robot Eric Bradbury, letter robot Tony Jacob. All right, so we're back with time with, uh, t- with, with trans time, Fox. All right. I, I love these guys. Yeah, they make so many bad things happen. It's true. It's, it's now the 25th century, whatever. A guy named Carlisle is making his 10th trip back to Elizabethan... Elizabethan England, he's writing a book about it, or so he says. But in fact, Fox, he's decided to come to the past, join Queen Elizabeth's court, and then the two of them will forge an all-powerful empire. He wants to make babies with Queen Elizabeth. Aw, yeah, and get rich doing so, which is the best way. (laughs) He changes places with a beggar, he fakes his own death, and then he gets to work. He uses almanacs and other historical sources to basically back to the future to his way to wealth, <laughs> as well as like future weapons to take down any rivals. Soon, he's able to meet and become a favorite of the Queen, but is disliked by Sir Francis Walsingham, uh, the leader of Queen Liz's spy network. Who was a pretty like intense dude, if you're ever curious about yeah, man. Queen Elizabeth's In, uh, spy network. He was kind of a crazy dog he yeah. threw uh mary queen of scots or whatever into prison mm-hmm. yes yeah. in a uh, marvel 1602 he's played by he's uh instead nick fury which is a telling detail but uh, yeah marvel 1602 check it out buddy that was a good one yeah um so walsingham investigates carlisle and finds all of his crazy future stuff accused of witchcraft carlisle tries to use his technology to escape but his blaster malfunctions and suddenly time stops it turns out that Queen Elizabeth herself is a time traveler. 
the real Elizabeth died in 1562 of smallpox, and this lady took her place. She used a face changer to complete the illusion. And she can't have some other greedy time traveler horning in on her action. <laughs> time, re- time restarts and Carlisle is captured by the guards and, execute- and executed. And I want to say no. Yeah, like she kind of spins it as her motives being selfless and wanting to preserve the time stream and Queen Elizabeth yeah. being all cool and stuff like that. But I mean, oh, okay, buddy, whatever you need to tell yourself at night <laughs> to justify like, okay, your messing with the time stream and executing dudes and stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's just like anyone who kind of fronts in on my territory. Nope. Exactly. You know, I see you, time travel lady. Anyhow, uh, next up, uh, Slash Man, Kowalski, and the Rat. Script robot Steve Steve Moore, art robot Mike White, lettering robot Pete Knight. This is a weird-ass story. Yes. I did not get it. Uh, Like, okay, so it's got, like, what a twist at the end, but it's like an M. Night Shyamalanian what a twist where it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it starts with three beings on their way to assassinate an idiomine looking alien dictator. There's a Slash Man, who is a Harvey Keitel-looking cool space assassin. There's <laughs> Kowalski, who's like a stereotypical nerd guy. And Rat, who is basically like Master Splinter, but he's sick and has like a broken leg and he's like hobbling around on a crutch. Like, why would you bring this with you? And he's like Kowalski's uh, pet, basically. The whole yep. story is told in a first-person voiceover as Slashman super spies his way to the general's base, but then gets blasted because he's the decoy. Then <laughs> Kowalski walks in, following a strip search as an intergalactic weapons salesman, but then reveals that he's swallowed two kilos of liquid explosive because he's actually a suicide bomber controlled by the rat, who's the one actually telling the tale. It turns out... And, like, and like Kowalski's like, wait. What did I just say? Yeah, it turns out that Rat is actually the pinstripe suit-wearing secret agent Rat, and he's been telepathic, and he's telepathically manipulating the humans to do his dirty work. Ooh, that agent Rat, so sneaky! Goes off whistling. Yeah, agent Rat will be back, but like exactly more of a questioning air horn. I gotta find that on YouTube. That's gonna be the hard one. So the final uh, future shock is the English Philandrutian phrasebook. Oh, right. This got dark? Yeah, buddy. Script robot Alan Moore, art robot Brendan McCarthy. I guess that'd be why. Indeed. Thanks, <laughs> this is a, I like this one a lot, actually. It's kind of a neat series of single-panel comics about a family vacationing on an ancient planet and then how to, or on an alien planet, and then how to speak that planet's language. Things go increasingly bad for the family, and the comic hits all the key translation-based jokes, which are mostly like sort of a really long translate, like a, a really long phrase that then is a single word, or like words being confused, like, you know, like I asked for a, a wine taster, not a wife taster and stuff. Um. <laughs> Things go increasingly bad for the family. They end up being arrested, taken to prison, and stranded on a slave satellite. It's kind of funny just because things are going really horribly on this planet. And it's funny that the uh, the phrase book would have this all planned out, you know? <laughs> like, like, just so you know how to get around when you're, like, waiting for uh, the British government to intervene for your next holiday. Especially when you meet the uh, the British ambassador in the, in the prison interrogation lounge or whatever. Doesn't <laughs> seem doesn't seem great yeah all the images for the comics are presented on this like tape deck kind of background 
Like it kind of looks like, yeah, like, like sort of a, an, an early eighties tape deck kind of thing, like a way to, sorry, a way to play audio cassette tapes, which are like those things that came before CDs. <laughs> I'm worried. Yes. I'm worried that people not know what I'm talking about, Fox. <laughs> uh, oh, um, that's pretty true. How do you explain that? It's like, at one point, uh, sounds didn't come from the internet. Well, like they yeah. came from like plastic with. Uh, you had to have a thing that was like, it was it was like an iPhone, but it just played music, and it was huge. It was like the size of like a skateboard, and it had these giant clunky buttons on the bo- on the bottom that would be yeah. like you know play like chunk you know like that, um, and they play these plastic uh, you know cases full of uh, tape in them. You know what a tape is. I I, I feel like kids say uh, know what an audio tape is. I have to believe that, Fox. Otherwise, I, I'm just going to go so insane. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like uh, scotch tape or duct tape, but they made it no, really don't, small. No, don't explain that to them. They know what it is. They can I, Google I it. I hope so. I, I believe, in a box. I believe in you, kids of, the, of today and kids listening to this in the future. <laughs> know what an it audio tape is. It wasn't like the best audio format we've ever made but uh, it was like better yeah than it was A-track. better it was better than eight tracks and records in terms of portability yeah it was don't when we had to sacrifice sound quality for portability oh dark days don't don't forget that please <laughs> i rotary phones are fine i'll i'll live with remembering that but remember tapes <laughs> how about uh do you remember singles fox it was like a single but it was a cassette oh that's good times no <laughs> What? Yeah, it was real. What the fuck? <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, terrifying revelations, Fox. <laughs> oh, Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. Oh, man. Uh, this gets good. Oh, man. So we're, so we're deep in the Mega Rackets for Judge Dredd, and the Mega Rackets are so fun. Um, so Script Robots, Alan Grant and John Wagner writing as T.B. Grover. Art Robots are Colin Wilson and Ron Smith letting robots... My buddy and yours, Tom Frame. TM Frame. Exactly. So, yes, last time we started looking at the Mega Rackets of Mega City 1, starting with the Body Sharks, which are lone sharks who take your cryogenically frozen loved ones as collateral. Uh, this one guy, Hines, gave his wife, but now he can't pay back the debt. He tries to rob a neighbor to get the money, but's caught in the act, and Dread is called in. Caught by like several neighbors and one woman in particular is about to punch him like he's, right in his he's caught cop. by several angry housewives it's <laughs> great Heinz mentions his debt and Dredd has an idea he has Heinz basically bugged so that they can trace him to where the body sharks are based and the, um, you know because they'll probably take Heinz to his wife to lean on them on him to pay back. Dredd follows him, fights through the cryo facilities, arrests the body sharks, unfreezes all the victims, and then arrests them for complicity in body sharking, <laughs> which is my Dude. favorite Dredd thing, <laughs> where he, you he arrest catches, the criminal and the victim of the crime. <laughs> he catches the bad guys by kicking them into canisters of liquid nitrogen. Yeah, and yeah, like. Anybody who wakes up, he's like, fuck you. And then, like, the, the guy cubes. is reunited with his wife, and it's like a touching moment. He's like, yeah, you you are leaving. He's like, I'll never leave you again, baby. And he's I, like, I hope you enjoyed that. Like You're going to cubes. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like, no, dog. You may have helped me. You're still going to jail. Yeah, like you still didn't do crimes, buddy, and I'm Judge Dredd. Uh, the surviving goons are tight-lipped and won't sort of turn over the rest of their body sharking uh, compatriots so this is sort of the end of the trail here 
Uh, so. It's pretty normal, apparently, according to the Dreadster. Yeah. So now we're on to a new Mega Racket, Perp Running. Oh, we this see. one was fucked up. Yeah. We start with the King Perp Runner, Slick Ike Colorado, who's a pimp-looking dude. He's got awesome velvet knee pads and a huge box of high-quality Munscum. He <laughs> spits some gum out and gets yelled at by Judge Dredd, who's just Fuck sort of hassling Munch. that crime boss. So, like, Munz is like this future food... In Judge Dredd, I'd say like 90% of the people in Mega City 1, their primary diet staple is months. Um, we've been seeing oh. it sort of around the edges of Mega, of like just sort of around the edges of comics for Mega City 1 a lot recently, and it's sort of coming up. Um, and eventually, yeah, it's just sort of like, it's a word for food, but sort of like this, um, I would I would describe it as being similar to kind of tofu in that it kind of comes in an unprocessed state and then is processed into basically any kind of food, period, with like different flavors and all kinds of stuff, but you know, not as appetizing raw and stuff. So we're seeing a lot okay. of so along with a lot of crime in these mega ragbits, we're actually also seeing a lot of month stuff, which is kind of interesting. We'll learn more about it as the comic progresses. Alright, cool. Yeah, just a little FYI. In a recent yeah. in a recent uh Judge Dredd like sort of series, he was fighting a bunch of uh of uh, raiders who were attacking farms out and out 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 on the cursed earth that feed Mega City One and that series was called a uh, Muntstone Cowboys. <laughs> oh. Weird. They yeah. they rely on food from well, you can't have, yeah, I mean, they don't have farms inside Mega City One, you know? But uh mm-hmm. there's no space for it. Anyhow, anyhow. <laughs> So, yeah, so Dredd's just uh, hassling Slick Ike uh, Colorado, the, uh, the, the head perp, perp runner. Um, but he's gonna, so he, and he's gonna take him down. Dredd finds a file on a con, on, on a perp named John Julius, uh, Brown, a murderer who's been in, uh, jail for a few years and arranges to have him escape. Brown contacts an old crime buddy asking to be picked up by perp runners who will take him safely off planet. Things go well. They ship Brown and a bunch of other perps out in empty months containers, which are so smelly that no one checks on them, and then uh, onto a ship in the cursed earth, and they blast off. Hooray! Yeah. I'm getting away as a big weird guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brown's pretty messed up. He's got kind of a kind of a mo uh, haircut and then a big old face scar. Yeah, that like destroyed one of his eyeballs. But yeah, uh, it's definitely not Judge Dredd, right? <laughs> Aboard the ship, Brown enters the ship communication control, beats everybody up, and reveals himself to be Judge Dredd. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he radios controls to come get him, but the ship is way too fast for the Justice Department to catch up. Dredd is chained up, and the perp runners continue as planned. Landing on an alien prison camp? And all the passengers have been sold into slavery? Oh my god, what the fuck is... There's, what happened here? There's no honor among thieves, dude. They just oh. took all these criminals, took their money to escape off planet, then got paid again by selling them to slavery. Dread stays I mean, stays a lot stays aboard. Yeah, totally. Dread stays aboard locked up and he'll get his soon, apparently. So on the return trip, it seems like the perp runners like to go to alien planets, pick up a bunch of tourists, alien tourists with like marketing materials saying that Earth loves aliens, then take them into deep space, you know, take their ticket prices, then just space them. Just kill them all. It's ridiculous. If you didn't think these guys were bad before, they went to an alien planet full of adorable dolphin men mm-hmm. convince them of giving them all of their money and then like the next shot is just them being shot out the airlock 
the, one by one. I love the opening of this just because it's like uh, it's like the Dolphin Man equivalent of that um, "I Want to Live in America" song from West Side Story, but with oh dolphins. My God. It's like you know, like oh, they treat aliens like gods in Mega City One. You know, I'm so excited to to go there and give these people all my money blindly be this uh you know have a great alien time where everybody loves aliens i want to live in mega city (laughs) everything's free in mega city etc this is apparently called chumping up like you you chump up your ship and then you just uh, drop the chumps um, and so weird. we see the ship with Dread aboard taking on a bunch of nodule-headed squid guys aboard for the same purpose. Oh, yeah. Dread goes into action. He breaks his hand to slide out of the cuffs he's in. Oh, um, it was super gross. It's pretty that uh, Ron Smith draws a really awesome mangled-ass hand here. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he starts uh, shout- He starts spilling the beans to the aliens, riling them up. And then he breaks free and starts shooting the perp runners. Uh, this is why you don't hang uh, like a Judge Shred in just front of shoot like, him. where you keep all your Just shoot guys. him! <laughs> Anyhow, um, on his own on the ship, he now he then fifth elements his way through it, jettisoning <laughs> the oxygen and four because wow. because fifth element is when you die hard through a ship through a spaceship, Fox. Uh, <laughs> 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 they're they're all around. Uh, <laughs> Uh, big ups to uh, big ups to die hard to, to, to the die hard scenario wiki, which is a thing online that just lets oh. you put in like die hard Anna and tells you relevant movies and oh. other stuff where someone die hards oh. through something, so you can make references to it. Oh, that's really good. Oh, that's. Really good. <laughs> he jettisons the oxygen, forcing the perp runners to surrender. They're all arrested, and the aliens are set home. And the perps that were sold into slavery are brought back to Mega City One and jailed. Slick like Colorado is still in business, but man, his double crossing ways might hurt his reputation a little bit. That's all I gotta say. I mean, he's definitely not gonna survive or whatever. I mean, we'll see. There's more. There's a lot of stuff happening here because it's time for the man. third Mega Racket, Fox. Oh. Yeah. This one's a bummer. It's called Umpty Bagging. We see Dread taking down some some users and a dealer. A dealer of that sweet, sweet Umpty Candy. I don't want to talk about this one. It's a bummer, man, because apparently there's a whole Umpty squad dedicated to taking down the Umpty, the candy makers led by Judge Cheney. We flash back to Prog 146, episode 45, Fox, where, as you'll recall, we saw the highly addictive Umpty Candy outlawed and its creator, Uncle Ump, exiled into outer space. However, it appears that soon afterwards, some crooks from the Jong gang were tipped off to Ump's location. They flew out to his ship, and, oh my god, they just pulled out a goddamn hand drill and sucked the Umpty Candy out of his head and then spaced him! Uncle Lump! It's real sad, man. They just, like, this guy's an innocent old man with a giant top hat. And he just wanted to make people happy. And it's not even like, it's not even like they found his ship and then they enslaved him and made him eat, uh, uh, make the candy for people. They just, they just drilled into his brain, took the recipe, and then tossed him into space to die. I'm so sad. This is some monstrous ass candy. Yeah, it's terrible. But anyhow. (laughs) <laughs> All Judge Shred's fault, FYI. I mean, he had to do what he had to do for the city, you know? You know, you can, you can, 
make excuses for the patriarchy man. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I will okay. be a Santa figure. Now the Jong gang has control of the umpty candy market. Back in the present, Dredd sweats an umpty addict to get the information on his suppliers and then rides down to take down the Jong gang. But as he does, that same person that informed the Jongs about Ump's location also warns them about the incoming bust. Treachery! <laughs> Dude, I, I'm just glad that a certain someone gets their just mm-hmm. desserts. Yeah. Whoa! Bam, bam, bam! Sorry. Dredd leads the bust on the Umpty factory. He finds it empty, just a couple of Umpty heads manning the front. Dredd realizes that Judge Cheney is probably the traitor judge and sets a trap. In a darkened room, Dredd gets the drop on Cheney and waits for the arrival of the Jong gang. They arrive, Augie, Jong, and some of his goons. Outnumbered, they outnumber Dread four to one, but Dread uses some flashing lights to blind them and gun them all down. One leader of the Jong gang is killed, and Judge Cheney is off to Titan, where all judges Dead, go. Get all fucked up and roboticized to mm-hmm. breathe on Titan. Yeah, but just like all these other rackets, Fox, Dread has closed down one operation, but hundreds just like them remain around Mega City One. That's bullshit. Next time, the Blitz Agencies. Kind of interesting. Damn, Judge Dredd. Why you gotta pull me through all my feelings? Why you gotta make me... Why you gotta kill Uncle Lump? There's so few... There's there's fewer... There's such... There's so few flat-out tragedies in Mega City 1 that are worse than than, than Uncle Lump, who just wanted to make people happy. And was was exiled... Was tortured, exiled, and then murdered for it. He was he was like the the most adorable granddad character mm-hmm. ever, and he's given like one frame for his death. And I'm like, man, he may have been the one of the few nice ones. Yeah. And Walter's not nice, and I don't care what people say. Fucking <laughs> un- Uncle Ump may have been like he's my second favorite character from Mega City One. Fox is just Maybe. looking at Walter, saying it should have been you. <laughs> Yes! Yes! <laughs> That's Why hilarious. the fuck wasn't it, like, a horrible character where you would have been like, okay, some of the uh, people in this comic, or who've been reading this comic, be like, oh, it's sad, because it's that dumb robot who makes us upset. But they gotta kill... They basically killed Surrogate Santa. Mm. Yeah, that's how... It's it's hard out there at Mega City 1, buddy. Fuck them. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Speaking of which, Fox. Non-thrills, covers, and nerve centers. And so, saved X-Men. Always. So, uh, Prog 21, or Prog 210, I should say. Freeze! Judge Dredd draws down the frozen body shark in this Judge Dredd cover by Brian Bolland. There's... Yeah, there's some good background stuff in the cover of this comic, like the uh, the wife of Heinz, like, sitting up in a freezer drawer in the background and stuff. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, Just going like, oh, what's going on? Those things are so good. Mm-hmm. Mid-prog, we get several 1981 reader profiles. Everybody seems very interested in getting a Judge Dredd uniform and is against, like, a fan club. And I wonder if, like, comic book fan clubs uh, had some sort of, like, connotations or if that means something that I'm not familiar with sort of in 1981, I guess. Um, uh, maybe. Yeah. But I don't see why a fan club would be a bad... I mean... Yeah, whatever. me either. That's what I'm saying, is that it makes you wonder if there's something, there's some extra stuff we don't know about that might make, make people not, not want that very much. 
There's also the Atari Space Invaders contest rolling on, a quick uh, cheesecake picture of a space babe from an upcoming movie, Battle Beyond the Stars, and then we go to the Nerve Center, where Tharg explains a slightly confusing new prize scheme to uh, get English readers some sweet Flash Gordon sticker books. And I like when things in these comics are called schemes, Fox. Letter, there's letters asking for a summer job at 2000 AD, requests for more mean arena, and a proposed Euro city that is huge. It just kind of includes most of England and Denmark, the, and the land between sort of France and Germany on the border there, sort of starting from like the low countries in Belgium, then down to Switzerland, and down then the west side of Italy. It's pretty big. I liked it. Yeah, it's not as big, I'd say, as like Mega City 1 or Mega City 2 are at this point, just sort of for comparison, I'd say. Uh, and then in a sign of the times, just to give us a, to place us in, uh, in a modern culture, there's an ad in this, in this prog to win a tiny, tiny television to watch the royal wedding of Charles and Diana on. Like, oh my God. I looked up the, uh, the TV that you'd actually win and it's like, um, like, the dimension of this thing it's like half of it's like six inches long like four feet wide and the screen's maybe half that so it's like a a two by one and a half inch screen on this thing it's Jesus. Uh, just, just to watch the most beloved almost queen of england ever hey it was a big deal at the time i think it still is it on it in terms of people's it's- history Absolutely. Not for me, because I say down with royals. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> leveler forever. The, the prog ends with a Steve Dillon pinup of Matt Talon. A new Mean Arena series starts soon. Uh, hooray! Yeah. He's in the background looking real scowly. Yeah. Uh, 211 Ron Smith draws, I'd say, a very modern Judge Dredd cover. It's a huge it's picture. Dope. Oh, yeah, it's the Judge under fire with the Ron Smith trademark double lawgivers and stuff. There's almost no words on the cover, Fox, which is very cool and also very modern just in terms of like what like a, a current 2000 AD cover looks like, I guess you'd say. Huh. Like, because usually these ones have, like, word bubbles, or they have, like, sort of a thing being, like, you know, win 50 roller skates or something like that. Um, whereas this one's just sort of, it's mostly just Dread, and then, like, the issue information, and it's a little thing on the bottom that's like, hey, there's Judge Dread action here, you know? Mm. The, uh, the final part of the Atari contest is inside. It involves Ish. a complicated grid-based logic puzzle. I tried to do it for like five minutes and I I don't know. This is too hard. I'm just uh, dumb, I guess. Uh, fuck it. <laughs> um, in the nerve center, it's all jerk kid letters. Like, it's specifically all like uh, readers revolting. Two of them are angry at Dark for calling humans earthlets. Um, and then another one for not showing Judge Pepper's robot leg when he died. And then charging Tharg with mass murder against the Thrill Suckers. Basic answer, lighten up, kids. Stop being Gre- uh, Grexnixes, for real. <laughs> yeah, who's pro-Thrill Sucker? Seriously. This prog ends with a pinup of Meltdown Man by Dave Gibbons. And I feel like Gibbons doesn't really have like a great handle on what Nick Stone looks like, I guess. Like he looks, he looks kind of off model or kind of like like Mediterranean to me, if that makes sense. You know, they they look like um, so sometimes like you go to like a like a discount market mm-hmm. and they they have like a bunch of toys together where it's Bat Guy and yeah. like Hebrew and <laughs> uh, and like 
Chitara from from the Thundercats, but it's it's uh, Thundercat Lady. Yeah. No, they're all definitely sort of yes. Yeah. yeah, sort of off-brand versions of all one box. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. So Praga two twelve, Carlos Escara draws the Martin U- the mutant army on the march. Death to the norms in the nerve center. It's awesome. I like it. You know, I mean, it's it's just sort of a it's sort of generic because it, it doesn't actually have Johnny Alpha on it, but it's still a lot of fun. In the nerve center, there's pictures of Dread as well as of Tharg the Ant, like Adamant and Tharg the Dustbin. Uh, most of the nerve centers filled with wiz- with winners of that black hole costume contest. Though Tharg does find time and space to promote. Both the upcoming Nemesis the Warlock series, 10 progs out, Fox. And there's oh, one in the God. new sci-fi special, too. And oh, I'm so excited. There's also mention that the 20 that the 1982 annual will now feature 2080 thrills instead of legacy comics, which I think is pretty awesome. Hooray! Just so you know, we're gonna do all like the sci-fi special and the annual stuff at the end of at the end of 1981. Okay. So they're going to be the Thursday shows once we get there. Uh, this prog ends with a Brett, Ewan pin, a Brett Ewan's pinup of Fox's favorite character, Max Normal, yes! the pinstripe freak. He is my favorite character. <laughs> he's so amazing and he looks great. Yeah. He's looking like he's having a great time. And it's just funny because there's a bunch of like regular, crazily dressed Mega City One citizens like looking on in just flat disgust at him. <laughs> yeah, they're weird tabards on and they're yeah. like... Huge yoga pants that giant are also knee pads stripes yeah <laughs> in uh, 213 Brian Ballin draws some generic kind of Flash Gordon action pretty people mm-hmm. menaced by a monster as a cruel master of evil looks on um, I guess just whatever yeah I think it's kind of interesting I guess just that I th- I, or I'm always interested in the lack of like crazy space operas in 2000 AD which is you know ostensibly a sci-fi comic created in response to Star Wars but it's much more sort of you know, grounded superhero or, or, or sci-fi stuff. Huh. Yeah. That's and, fair. I would have expected more. Yeah, you know, it's some, something to think about, just sort of in your 2080 concepts. In the nerve center, a kid asks again about that goddamn house, the future. Get over it, kids! Ah. <laughs> uh. What is this obsession? I don't know. Also, a kid writes about the Chopper story. Sort of, I guess he must have written in mid-story because he's theorizing that Phantom is actually dread in disguise, which is wrong. So you must feel pretty, pretty embarrassed, S. Doylane of Southampton, circa 1981. <laughs> yeah, come on. Uh, get on your Wikipedia back then. <laughs> yeah, read the dirt sheets, buddy. <laughs> Later, there's an interesting page that has both the story of the cover, which, again, is like an incredibly generic space serial, complete with, like, continued next week at the end and stuff. And then Tharg lists a bunch of upcoming sci-fi conventions, which I think is kind of neat. Yeah. To me, the coolest one sounds like Unicon 2. Yes! uh, September 11th to 14th in Staffordshire. I mean, they could have chosen a better date. I mean, really, guys. Mm-hmm. I looked. I looked to see if there were still Unicons going on. I found something called Unicon 2017 in London on September 23rd of this year, but it looks like it's been canceled. And I couldn't tell if it was related to this one because it seemed to be like a big, um, maybe less sci-fi, more of a, or like it was like an LGBT slash sci-fi convention, essentially, which I think is well, interesting yeah. and but sad that it was canceled. If it's anything like uh, the weird YouTube videos that I've now been watching, anything with September 11th in it is basically uh, hashtag Illuminati, hashtag Bilderberg group. You know? Jesus. Even in 1981? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, 30, dude, it's all 20 connected. years earlier, it's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Anyhow, this prog ends with a Judge Anderson versus Judge Dead pit, Judge Death pin up by Brian Bolland. Judge Dead lives is getting so is getting closer and closer. Fox, oh my gosh! This would be hotter if it wasn't like this weird tentacle ghost. <laughs> you just wanna want want an Anderson hanging out, being sexy, uh, pin up. We're gonna I, we're gonna I get just, those Fox. Like Anderson, our That's road Anderson. our road is paved with sexy Judge Anderson. I can't stress it enough. <laughs> Acceptable. <laughs> yeah, Prog two fourteen. Brendan McCarthy shows the first page of the Indian of the English. Fa- uh, these aliens. <laughs> I mean, don't try to read. It's it's the dumb television. Duritian phrase book. <laughs> um, it's saying I asked for two thousand AD, not two thousand elbow scratchers. Come on. Also, get, get your- <laughs> yeah. Also in this comic, we start getting ads for the movie Clash of the Titans in the form of half-page comics that are kind of fun, I think. Mm. In the Nerve Center, there are letters about the awesome power of Thrill Power, which is, of course, true, and a very nice fan letter about Carlos Escara, as well as a correction about some dialogue in a previous Future Shock. With the Space Invaders contest done, Fox, it's time for a new one. This time, you can win a full-color print of that Future Worlds poster from a few episodes ago. It's extremely awesome! That's pretty cool. I'd yeah. pay for that. Totally. And this prog ends with a dope pinup of Robo Hunter and Associates by Ian Gibson. We're 45 progs away from the return of Robo Hunter Fox, and I feel its absence deep in my soul. <laughs> I, I just. Hoagie. Uh, better robot than other robot sidekicks. But... Shot, shots fired. Not as good as Carlos Robo Stogie, though, but that's the he's the greatest. Aww. <laughs> Robostogi's amazing. Yeah. Hey, speaking of things that may be amazing, but may be sadly coming to a close, Fox. Oh. four. Return to Armageddon. Script robot Malcolm Shaw, art robot Jesus Redondo, lettering robot Bill Nuttall. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amtrak, our hero, he's stuck under debris, being eaten by metal-eating locusts. While the robot seeker is stuck in a big ice cube and Eve's trying to help him. Luckily, the locusts eat the debris and Amtrak, Eve, and Seeker can all escape doing that standard sort of jump thing as the ship explodes behind them. (laughs) While Amtrak carries the frozen uh, body. Yeah, Seeker uh, robot. robot. (laughs) Seeker's unfrozen. The trio heads out to find Eve's people to form an army. They sneak through a ruined apartment block and run into survivors that claim they have found Sanctuary, which is a mythical place free from the terror of hell on Earth. But then it's revealed that these guys are actually lying, literal lying snakes. Oh, uh, uh, and in in true fashion of what I love about Seeker, Seeker, by the way, hashtag best character 1981, um, like... uh, just as like before anyone can say anything he's like no i'm just gonna kill these dudes and they're like oh why'd you do that and he's like they're snakes and they start hissing around and it's like whoa they were snakes good call buddy this is how i just want everyone to remember seeker solves a lot of problems Mm -hmm. seeker's like oh i'll just shoot these things or oh i'll just lie (laughs) like it's definitely goes around corners like that you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's just like, listen, this could be a plot situation, or I could just fix this for us. Mm-hmm. So, the team infiltrates a hell tower, sneaking past the undead, <laughs> but definitely not zombies. We can't call them zombies. No siree. Guards. Oh, no, no. They're the undead. 
and find Eve's people. They're all slaves locked up in cages like human veal. Whoa! Oh, man, they're like cattle. Yeah. Amtrak begin, uh, begins the assault on the slave pens, you know, icing over all the Enormity. demons he sees. Uh, Seeker unlocks the cages, and despite them been locked away, the people are pissed off and ready to fight. They yep. come under laser fire, which Amtrak ably absorbs with his sword and shoot backs at and shoots back at them. It's he, he's getting superpowers every panel. Yeah, it's good. He's got a very Superman kind of sword. It's a hand to hand fight now, and the rage of the newly freed slaves carries the day. Looking inside himself, Amtrak discovers another new power and magically creates some badass swords and shields for his new army. It's time to fight. There's some Thundercat shit going on with him just being able to channel his... Yeah, a lot of, a lot of swords lifted overhead. Magical power. Yeah, something. <laughs> Whatever. Meanwhile, at Sanctuary, they're getting word of this revolt, and it worries the three remaining human leaders of this world, our old buddies, the Space Pirates, Havoc, Snakebite, and Shadow. That's pretty good. Yeah, the... uh. The three free humans have organized a troop of Hell's Angels, who are giant bat demon guys, to take down Amtrak and his army. But they want Amtrak alive, you know, as you do when you're sort of an evil ruler guy. Yeah, no problem. So, you know, Conrad, how do you fight a bunch of bat dudes that can't see, and you're a ragtag, ragamuffin group of dudes with swords and shields, I guess, just create a mirror phalanx yeah it's good you know well first one of them grabs amtrak right away and flies off but then the, the army yeah creates sort of a dome of shields that protects them from attack and then creates a cool magical light that kills all these bat dudes yeah um, it's pretty uh it's pretty, pretty handy device yeah only one survives and that's the one carrying amtrak off to meet with havoc amtrak creates a glowing sky snowflake to show where he his up uh, progress and everyone just follows that in a weird like pseudo uh, christmas story like kind old, of thing yeah, yeah old testament christmas story thing hmm. yeah the hell's angels the hell's angel i should say carries amtrak back to havoc as amtrak taunts the beast he's carried to sanctuary and havoc takes his takes amtrak's sword and starts monologuing as we see a, a view screen of the human army rampaging across this hellscape in a rage, Havoc attacks Amtrak. Oh, but it looks like his sword freezes both ways, and the former space pirate is encased in a block of ice. Can't just use a magical ice sword, man, if you're not the ice sword owner. You gotta but be a good don't guy. Worry because you know? I guess suddenly devil. Yeah, with the mid boss down, Amtrak gets no respite <laughs> as he's suddenly confronted by the Destroyer! Bad news, yeah. I guess. The two brothers show down at last. The Destroyer makes his opening move, which is basically setting every cell of Amtrak's body on fire. That's a strong opening move. <laughs> Only the voice yeah. of the triad in Amtrak's head helps him survive. Uh, but then that's, like, severed. Yeah. Uh, and some shit happens, Exactly, yeah. Meanwhile, Eve's Seeker and the human army are winning the battle against the forces of evil, pulling down statues and stuff. It's going pretty good. Until suddenly, there's an earthquake. It echoes like laughter, and then the reign of fire begins. So, like, I got a question. The you. cute girl mm -hmm. who, like, fell in the earthquake, you know? Yeah. 
with with her buddy Seeker. Yeah, even Seeker. Where did she get her earrings? Like, if this is if she this got a lot of cultural stuff for people who have been completely sl- food slaves for demons for the last thirty years. It's true. I can't yeah. answer these questions. I just uh, just a curiosity, yeah. I guess. But so the army burns and dies around even Seeker, who for some reason are not hurt by this rain of fire, at least until the ground gives way beneath them and they fall deep into the earth. Uh, well, love interest and best bro, you know. Yeah. Amtrak sees all this on the view screen as he kneels to the destroyer's feet. The demon asks Amtrak if he has any last words, and he does. Amtrak begs the destroyer not to kill him. Instead, please let him join him. Let him join the destroyer. Oh, gasp. Uh, what could happen next, Prog? Decepticon. Deception. Yeah, I think we telegraph that a little bit. <laughs> I, it's just... Uh... Fox. I mean, we got this pretty quick. I, I'm not loving Escape from Armageddon so much anymore, man. Return to Armageddon, buddy. But oh, right, God damn it. Um, hey, serious question though. Return to Armageddon ends next next episode. Fox, mm. can you guess the surprise twist ending of Return to Armageddon? Uh, I'm gonna guess. All mm-hmm. right. So he's like, oh, I'm I'm totally with you, and then the bad guy's like, oh fuck, that's pretty good, because two's better than one, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, nah, bitch. And then either A, stabs him and shit's great, or B, uh-huh. kills himself, and then figures out that that kills the guy. Ooh. And then everything's fine. Interesting. Alright, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Speaking of uh, surprise uh, combats, Fox. Oh, God. <laughs> Or chilling action. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Chilling action. (laughs) Thrill 5, Meltdown Man. I would have also accepted, like, Meltdown Man uh, chills out for the beginning crawl. (laughs) That's good. So, script robot Alan Hebden, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, lettering robot Jack Potter. Hey, Uh, hey, remember Escape from Armageddon? Uh, sorry, I mean, Meltdown Man, that's mm-hmm. happening too. I said Escape from Armageddon. Yeah, you keep God, saying it, buddy. <laughs> you gotta stop having joke names for things. You're gonna say them on the actual show. I'm keeping all this in. <laughs> no! <laughs> a, uh, a pair of mink UGs are on the watch for Stone, but are easily distracted by a sexy mink lady projection by King Seth. Uh, Which, you know, King Seth... You're going to kill guys by being horny? That's a little weird. I mean, it happens to so many of us. Stone, (laughs) Seth, and Louis the Lion are heading into the capital to free Liana from Lishar. A lot of alliteration here. Uh, We we see Lishar in his throne room. He's gloating over over a poleaxe having been beaten into submission. And then he packs everybody up to Snow City in the north for ominous stuff. So two things, mm-hmm. uh, Tiger Commander, first off, runner-up for hashtag uh, best character 1981. Totally. I love Tiger Commander, buddy. He's got, like, the coolest name, and he's so awesome. He's got the look. People. Yeah. <laughs> and the name. I mean, really, mm-hmm. it's all branding. But yeah, okay. But, uh, <laughs> Lee Shar says uh, possibly the coolest bad guy shit I've heard in a, heard in a while, which is, you know, Polax is brought in. And uh, Tiger Commander's like, dude, I totally broke him. Check this out. And he's like groveling. And uh, Lee Shar's like, that's what I like. A heartfelt grovel. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's good evil. 
<laughs> that's, that's a pretty good bad guy. Yeah. They see so our our boys see the bad guys head off. Seth explains that uh Snow City is the home of the eugenic bioform research center where all the UGs were made initially. He then gives some world building about how after the poles switched, all the animals got huge and mutated, and the surviving humans used directed evolution to turn them into the useful UGs we have today. This was like the lamest world building I've seen so far. Like mm. I, I've been pretty excited to hear about where UGs came from. Yeah, and I was really hoping it was just like subhumans from the fuck up plus animal genes mm, kind of Jurassic Park it together. Yeah. Which I, I would have liked, but this one was just like, uh, they were like big monsters, and then we turned them into little monsters. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Uh. Yeah. So uh, the baddies arrive at Snow City, and then Snow City is pretty cool. It's like a sweet combo of like an ice city and a tech city, completely like a yeah. giant satellite dish coming out of the roof and all that stuff. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Meanwhile, a renegade wolf man stalks a juicy kid man, which is like a young goat man. It's a kid, you know, because baby goats are kids, so it's a, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's caught by Billy the Pup. The renegade falls into a pit full of spikes and dies. And in return, Billy gains custody of Gruff. The two of them spar verbally as Billy meets up with a squad of predators on the on a beach as a ship, like a, a, a sailing ship, uh, appears on the horizon. And oh, geez, it's full of slaver pirate UGs. Not they, great, but a really good way to start, say, a D&D campaign. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting, actually. But yeah, they, they knock the pair out and Gruff wakes up, chained to an oar aboard a galley <laughs> run by awesome UG pirates. Man, there's like a uh, rhino pirate and like a dog pirate that's got funny ears. And a giraffe pirate! That's my yes. favorite! <laughs> it's it's my favorite fucking animal on the planet is a giraffe, and it's the one driving the boat, and Gir- it makes so much sense. Giraffe, pirate captain, Yuji is just a good combination of words right there. <laughs> so next up, uh, there's a quick one. T-Bone is running guns around the various resistances with a bunch of like AK-47s hidden under fish so no one checks them. Unfortunately, at the border of a place called Lone Town, he's stopped at the gate, and a belligerent monkey Yuji knocks over his cart, revealing the guns. Mm-hmm. This leads to an awesome sequence where T-Bone is just running through town, blasting everybody he sees with gouts of fire from his AK-47. <laughs> cool. He's it's, just killing bros. Yeah, it's not bloody, but it is pretty graphic, and it's a depiction of dudes getting gunned down, you know? Yeah, exactly. Eventually, though, the monkey guy catches back up with T-Bone. He offers to lead him to safety, but instead leads him into a trap. He's put in chains and sent off to Snow City. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like the the weird Mink UG were like, oh, we'll we'll cut you a deal. And he's like, that's why I did it. And I'm like, I fucking hate monkeys and apes. Don't trust those, those predators either, monkey dude. They lie all the time. And, they, and now we're slowly seeing everybody heading, uh, getting captured. Everybody's heading to Snow City, spec. yeah. Hey, look, it's Act 3. <laughs> exactly. Um, at at a, a monorail stop, a stone with a with a, a cool hat as a disguise, and Louis the Lion oh, try to sneak aboard a train to Snow City. He's... Re- I, <laughs> I want to say also, what's something that's cool, one of the characters in the crowd, I'm pretty sure, is actually Massimo Bellardinelli himself. Like, there's a self-portrait in the crowd here. Um, like the bearded dude? Yeah. The bald head. Yeah, the bald bearded guy. 
Um, when Stone is rebuffed by, by the ticket counter, he uh, creates a diversion and kills a few UGs by basically turning a chafing dish into an IED. He then grabs some tickets to Snow City, and he and, Lou- and Louie are off. Yay, I guess we're going to that place. Yeah. On the trip there, however, their presence is questioned, and they're forced to make a hasty escape from the train into the frozen north. Among the snow, the cold-blooded Seth passes out, and that's bad because Stone and Louie are suddenly hit by the mental projection that is killing Lewis and Stone with raw terror. Oh my god, what could this be? From ominous snow eyes. Anyhow, let's take a break from all that, Fox, <laughs> um, and have Lee Shar and Tiger Commander just going on an ice, y- an ice yachting race outside the Snow City. That's pretty fun. Yeah. I was positive there was an ice yachting scene in like a James Bond movie, but all I could find was that ice car chase from Die Another Day, which is yeah. not the same. No, it's not. Um... Anyhow, Lishar cheats to win, of course, and um, afterwards the captured T-Bone is brought over in chains. After some belligerent talk, it's decided that T-Bone and Tiger Commander will arm wrestle to determine T-Bone's fate, win, get a painless death, lose and be ripped limb from limb by Tiger Commander. Yeah, super dude. Yeah, arm wrestling? Tell me about it. It's such a little kid thing. Like, we got to see which one's strongest, so make a mom wrestle. (laughs) Um, So bets are taken as the contest begins, and Lishar bets against Tiger Commander, which is apparently a ploy to inspire the commander to win the day. It's bad news for T-Bone, but at least Liana is able to sneak off in the excitement. Like, literally, just everybody's focused on the arm wrestle, and she, like, kind of tiptoes on the ice off into the distance. I mean, you know, when all the boys are, like, doing their rowdy boy bullshit, you can just kind of Irish goodbye the whole thing. Absolutely. Um... Lishar also learns about Stone being on the train north in his escape, but he's not too worried, because this whole area is a reservation for experimental murder, UGs, and they'll likely take care of Stone. And indeed, Stone and Louie wake up to find themselves in the cave of a giant yeti monster with hypno-eyes even more powerful than those of King Seth. Next episode, Slag Heap. Why would you make something stronger than King Seth? After already knowing that the bird Yuji guy, who I forget the name of, was like, oh, Kanita, it wasn't a great idea. And that King Seth was so dangerous that you kept him locked up until Nick Stone being here necessitated you bringing him out of a cold freeze or something. So I guess you just make a whole bunch to run around the fucking frozen north. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the key. <laughs> evil evil knows no uh, specific boundaries. No. And, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right. All right. So that's it for Thrills this month, Fox OGs. Good Christ. What were your top and bottom thrills for May 1981? Uh, oh, I mean, hands down, uh, Strontium Dog Top. Mm. Like, big time. Like, Big, 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 mm-hmm. like way outlier top, <laughs> and that's not to say that Judge Shred wasn't like amazing. It was yeah. really good. Different little uh, vignettes, which is always where I feel like, um, like I enjoyed Judge Shred the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, in between these, like obviously these large, yeah, the uh, uh, mega epics or whatever, stories. yeah. But um, goddamn, 
strontium dog every time it's around is like kind of a fucking force and it's really showing its colors right now the the characters are amazing i love that full panel or full page shot of the giant floating fortress yeah. which it has like this little image in it like this little dome where uh, uh you see like parliament, parliament being is held, just yeah. sitting and and just kind of gives you the scope of how large the fucking thing yeah. is, and then they just charge in, and I, it's amazing. It's yeah. heartfelt. It's it, and I think you put it best. Like compare this to the mind of Wolfie Smith, and it feels so <laughs> much more. That's such an unfair um, comparison. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's it's a really good comparison because like Johnny Alpha is the kid you want to be by the end mm-hmm. of this, you know, um, and has significantly less powers. He just kind of like gets through everything just by sheer force of will, which is yeah. really great. And uh, I keep having to ground myself while I'm reading this, that this isn't Strontium Dog. This, this is, is a flashback. This is a for flashback. Dog. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just like how much care is being put into this is just really um, enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. So what's your bottom thrill for, 80, for May 81? Uh, so, I mean, and this is rough because like, Meltdown Man is something that's been in the background, like, really great. Return to Armageddon, I've been such a huge fan of, but, like, now um, it's definitely kind of, like, gotten to the point where it's like, well, we've got to conclude this, and there's really only one way, mm-hmm. I feel like. Uh, like, Return to Armageddon feels like there's only one way to end it, when I feel like it was so zany and crazy early on, it could have been ended any way they wanted to, yeah. and, it, and it would have been interesting. Um, but Meltdown Man, I, you know, I'm kind of let down by some of it, but it's still pretty interesting. And there's Tiger Commander. So I'm going to, this is a little bit weird for me. I'm going to say Return to Armageddon. Wow. Yeah. We've really, really turned the corner on Return to Armageddon. I got to say. It's, it's not horrible, right? Like yeah. when, when I say that something's the bottom, but this is the bottom, not because it's like, oh, it's really great embarrassment of riches. It's it's horrible because it's like, it took a turn that I feel like it didn't need to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I wasn't really expecting it to do because of how much of a spectacle it was. Yeah. Um, Meltdown Man, you're you're on notice. You know, <laughs> and well, all right. Like you could be great. <laughs> anyway, so Conrad, how about you? What's your what's your top? Uh, top half, yeah, I have to agree with you, Strontium Dog. Um, it's so good. I mean, we, we've talked about it a ton now this episode, but um, it's so great. Um, it's hard for me to not like pick its um, pictures for like the co- the episode cover every week. <laughs> like, um, you know, it's just so good. My, I wish it was. I the only thing I wish is that it was in the middle so we could have it in color and stuff. Um, oh, yeah, but that's such a that's such a like. Well, why can't it be completely perfect? Kind of net nitpick <laughs> that like it's not even worth like mentioning. You know, um, yeah. it's just so good. It's so like it's so it feels so well written and yeah, the art and just the story and everything. Like both what happens and the way it's presented in all ways is so it's so great. Um, I really yeah. For my bottom, I have to I have to go with solidarity with um, Return to Armageddon. Um, you know, solidarity. I have to agree that when we the, that first half of Return to Armageddon, like before they find the uh, the stones of eternity or whatever, um, 
it just felt like such a lightning bolt. And so like, well, I don't know what could happen. Anything's happening, you know, <laughs> um, just with free, you know, like zombies to space pirates to, um, interplanetary, cir- yeah, interplanetary circuses, robot revolts. If they'd followed any of these things as the continuing plot, it would have been such an, like, it's so crazy. Now kind of coming back with this sort of, I don't know, the Amtrak as a hero with a magic sword and a girl sort of fighting demons and stuff feels almost bland in comparison to the promise of the earlier parts of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I think the only through line is really just uh, Seeker, right? Yeah, Seeker definitely remains awesome and unpredictable, and I like that a lot. Everything else has sort of become sort of bog standard and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which it's is really- a bummer. And, you know, sort of was what happens when you, something goes for 30 prog sometimes, you know? Yeah, no, that's yeah. fair. I don't know. I'm, I'm still, I still like it, though. But, man, I'm just, this is another one where I, I look at these bottom thrills and I'm just so excited for what's going to come next, you know, for when, you know, we're so close to Nemesis. We're so close to Rogue Trooper. Oh, we're so close to Ace Trucking. We're so close to, uh, <laughs> just to, uh, to dread having, like, a year of classic pro of classic stories um, Jesus. that like i'm just super excited for it you know All right. um yeah so i hope everybody enjoyed the show you can always find space thanks buddy you can always find <laughs> space spinner 2000 on itunes stitcher the google play store or on our podcast site at cradline.com feel free to contact us at space spinner 2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forum is or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at Space Spinner 2K for everything else. Just look up Space Spinner 2000 and we should be there. You know, we always appreciate contact. I love talking to everybody and, you know, all that stuff. It's really like a highlight of my day when I get an email from someone who enjoys the show and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you if you want to, awesome. yeah. And if you want to drop us a review on iTunes, that's really awesome. Helps people find the show and stuff like that. If you aren't in the United States and you drop a, and you give us a review if you could just like email me and said you did because itunes doesn't tell you when people in other countries review your stuff which is an itunes thing and a bummer but just sort of fyi anyhow and and to say we we also really appreciate it like conrad sent me uh you know several from you know uk and and germany and things like that where people have rated it and um Thanks, guys. I gotta like, say, anytime someone interacts with me, I like do like a little drum solo on the table because I'm, I'm so happy about it. It's great. Yeah. You know, we spent like six months of this show just talking into the darkness and nobody responding at all. And so the alternative feels so great. But anyhow. Yeah, you guys are cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. Come back next time as we learn more about Mega City One's various mega rackets. Meltdown Man and Company have adventures in the frozen north. Things start to look bad for the mutant army. Future shocks roll on, and we sadly reach the finale and stunning twist ending of Return to Armageddon. It was all just a dream. Oh man, you're gonna, you're, I'm, I'm excited for our discussion about the ending of Return to Armageddon, fucks. I really hope I'm not upset. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Conrad. He's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. One dig for a three.